I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, And on this episode, a man and his son-in-law go on a murderous holdup spree, kidnapping and killing waitresses. We'll review the podcast, Families Who Kill, The Donut Shop Murders. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. I forgot to do it again this week. Write it on the script. Write into the script that I'm the love of your life. Good thing I remembered to say that. Why does that called Toby the love of your life? God damn it. He's the second place love of my life. Spread the love. (laughs) Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the best-selling Dead on Deadline, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon deep dive book club podcast, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. I've got an announcement to make, guys. What's that? This is... Our 300th episode. No what? freaking what? way. Yeah. Look, it's a little weird because we we recently changed our um, platform for where the episodes go and it starts numbering them. But it like won't, anything in your feed, it just numbers it. So like, we've had, it says like we're on episode 310 or something, but we've had trailers and bonuses and it adds all that. Anyway, it's just, it's just to say, ignore the numbering on your platform. This is, as far as episodes go, our 300th episode. Holy cow. Now, you'll wow. recall for the 200th episode, we did, again, it might not have been number 200. I don't know. We're just flying by the seat of our pants here. We did a big episode, kind of a recap. So I did the same thing for our 300th. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes. All right, here we go. 
It sounds crazy if you don't know anything about owls. It's Dirty John. It's not Stupid Deborah. You know, I have some moose meat in my freezer. I was just using the weed whacker and I disturbed a ground nest. Canine semen collection kits. I think it's chlamydia. And there you go. Happy three out of ten. <laughs> nice. Wow, oh what a great God. recap of our show. <laughs> you may have just done oh, Laura, Laura in. <laughs> you broke Laura Bricker. I broke Laura Bricker. She tried to drink some wine and killed herself. <laughs> well, what a way to go. Yeah. Wow. Canine semen collection. Now that we're out twice a week, we'll get to that 500 in no time. Probably wow. next year, right? I can't yeah. play. We've done This is the 300th time I've done this with you guys. <laughs> And we're still friends. Well, we don't, yeah, I guess, yeah. We're actually, I think, better friends than we were before. It's really incredible. Well, not me. I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> I'm by myself. <laughs> well, um, with that being said, should we just get into the review and do what we do? There's nothing left to do. All right. Two men who, along with their families, would go from being petty grifters to the masterminds of a year-long killing spree. Two men who, despite the horrific carnage they unleashed, are relatively unknown until today. In 1971, a pair of armed robbers rushed a Winchell's donut shop in Utah. But the holdup took a deadly turn when they kidnapped the 17-year-old cashier and drove her to the desert to rape and kill her. Authorities did realize that she was shot with a 32 caliber weapon and that in a rather bizarre twist, she had been shot while naked and then her killers redressed her when they left her and they left her wrapped in a blanket. Sherman McCrary and his son-in-law, Carl Taylor, went on a multi-state spree of robberies, killing and assaulting donut shop employees along the way. After their convictions, one of the perpetrators gave a taped confession to all their crimes. Uh, she's talking to Sherman. He just all of a sudden raised up a gun and shot her right between the eyes. Just not a word or anything else. From Wondery and Trooper Entertainment comes Families Who Kill, The Donut Shop Murders. James Carroll, who directed Night Stalker, hosts this examination of McCrary and Taylor's murderous run. Featuring commentary from police, professors, and other podcasters, the show also features a felonious family from the 1800s. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the first four episodes of The Donut Shop Murders. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. All right. So I will just say one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, This podcast did not come with any kind of like trigger warning or anything of any kind. I'm not going to like give an explicit trigger warning here because I just mentioned just now this podcast contains a lot of sexual assault, gratuitous murder scenes. But Laura Bricker, were you surprised by how out of the gate this podcast was with violence, like straight out the gate? Oh, yeah. And and I think it was done in such a way that it was like trying to like shock you. It wasn't actually telling you the violence for advancing parts of the story. It was more of like the shock value. Like at one point, it's like Ted Bundy, sex acts, decomposing corpses, severed heads in his apartment. And I'm like, did you really need to like say all that? It, it You know, it doesn't bother me. I'm I'm used to it. But I'm also just like I felt like there was a lot of these details thrown in there more like, hey, we got these details. Let's throw them in there. And um, they weren't necessarily something that I felt like had to be there to tell the story. Agreed. So, Kevin, you sent me a note about the umbrella of true crime podcasts. What did you mean by that? 
with a lot of different kinds of true crime podcasts, right? Not every one of them has to be, you know, a present day investigation of an obscure crime trying to solve it. We've done these before where we look at a past crime and re-examine it or just tell the story of things that we may not have known. I kind of did. I mean, we in the end, we might end up on the same place for reviews. I kind of disagree that this was overly gratuitous. Oh, my God. I mean, you're talking about like getting wetness out of water on a story about uh, a murder spree, right? I just think um, I'm okay with the idea of doing this of producing this kind of a true crime story where it's just looking back at a a series of crimes without maybe bringing a lot of other meaningful stuff, advancing the story. I just don't think it was executed well. Kevin, I will tell you, the first few minutes of this podcast was basically a excited monologue about how excited the hosts were to tell us a story of robbery, murder, and rape that we had never heard before. And I felt myself thinking like, okay, like I I just, I I don't know, Laura, did you get that same impression when you first turned this on, you hit play? Did you hear what I heard? I felt like that was a little bit of a misleading statement, like never heard before a story because like literally you punch in the name on the the Google and you can hear all about this story. So (laughs) it wasn't like it was new information. So um, it's like when we did true crime books, the three of us, and it'd be like, Six pages of shocking photos. And you'd be like, <laughs> Guilty. yeah, but are they really shocking? Or is it the last photo you could negotiate somebody to sign a release for because you had to produce a certain number for your contract? <laughs> I'll take a photo of the grave. It takes a half a page. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, speaking of semantics, there are some like specific semantic things that uh, Toby, you and I had some conversations before and like some narration details. And that's your very first note that you sent to me was about one of those that happened at the top of episode one. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, I don't know if it's semantics, but like the very first thing, like there's this montage, like you were saying about, you know, death and raping and murder and, you know, stealing and stuff. And then the first thing the narrator says is the 70s were a crazy time for serial killers. The 1970s, the era of some of the most heinous serial killers of all time. Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, the Zodiac Killer and the McCrary family. Hold on a second. Charles Manson was not in the 70s. He was in the 60s. So literally the first thing that he says is wrong, which uh, seemed like a bad start to me. Zodiac um, too. Zodiac was the 60s. Yeah. So it, it's just this whole thing is just uses such loaded language. Just like constantly there's, you know, nefarious. Didn't you love when they describe the detective, like the description of the detective? I'm like, oh, my God, he's like Clint Eastwood in a movie, (laughs) the way they described him. (laughs) Yeah, everything everything comes with like this value laden like adjectives. Right. And um, it it was just I don't know. The the whole thing kind of just felt lurid to me. Like, I think when people talk about true crime getting kind of a a bad rap and seeming kind of sleazy. Like, I kind of feel like this is a sort of thing that they talk about where it seems like it's sort of needlessly revels in people's suffering. I mean, I don't think that's like even the worst problem with this, but I think that was one of the things that I reacted to fairly strongly and made me not really want to listen to it, but I did. Did anybody else notice the sort of really obvious 
deceptive promise in the introduction of every episode that says we're going to hear never heard before recordings of uh. jailhouse interviews <laughs> that we still don't hear. They're still never heard, actually. Because <laughs> we heard an actor reperforming them. Actor recreating jailhouse recordings because the tape is too degraded to actually hear the jailhouse recordings so they are still never heard jailhouse recordings even if there had been kevin i kept thinking this yeah even if in one episode they had let us hear like 20 seconds of the bad tape and then like like blended it in because 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 the recreations sound like real tape well i'll tell you here's i'm of a couple of minds of this i actually very recently was handed a jailhouse cassette tape from the 70s it's impossible and tried to do every audio trick to yeah. bring it it's impossible you can denoise it you can eq it if it's really bad then it's it just sounds like that you have to you know it's just it's not usable i will say on one side though i think okay i always find like these dramatizations of court transcripts and stuff to be kind of corny even if they are necessary in some cases I will say, whoever this actor is, he's actually delivering it in a way that kind of sounds natural. Like, I would actually believe this were the real audio tape, because it doesn't sound like a guy reading lines. It sounds more like the way he kind of, like, hesitates and stumbles and just kind of says it the way he does. It's like, hey, this is the best performance of a thing that I've heard. Best recreation of a thing that we've never heard before? I cannot deny it. I cannot deny it. (laughs) I thought I'd talked him out of it. And I turned around, started for the car when the gun started to go off. And I just froze. Because that first shot went off, I knew it was too late. Did you think that maybe the pitch for this podcast was we have recordings that are never have never been heard before? And then when the producer got those recordings, they were like, fuck, we can't actually well, use these I don't recordings. know if that... You know what I think the pitch for this podcast was? What's that? I think the pitch for this podcast was we tried to pitch it to Netflix and they didn't want it, but we had all these never before heard recordings <laughs> that we were going to do something with. So we made a podcast. I don't know if that was the pitch to Wondery, but it certainly seemed to be the pitch to the listener. Yeah. We're going to hear stuff. No, we're not actually going to hear, we're not going to hear that stuff. It was, I don't know if it was being sloppy or intentionally deceptive, you know, to be like winky winky, I'm PT Barnum here and you're going to hear something. No, you're not. We heard gunshots, Kevin. We heard hear many gunshots, gunshots yeah. and they were totally real gunshots, yeah. just saying. <laughs> I knew they were authentic. <laughs> Do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. 
No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Guys, can I bring up all this positive energy for a minute? Talking about donuts and whatnot and (laughs) (laughs) and do a business section. Yes. Okay. Let me tell you what we got coming up on Patreon, by the way. We've got the Crime Writers on After Show. What are we talking about? We're going to talk a little bit more about that finale for Yellow Jackets. (sighs) And we're also going to describe or try to decide which Yellow Jackets character we all are. Oh. I have my my votes out of the four who came back. Really? Or maybe more came back. We're not going to spoil it. All right. Also, because uh, we were talking last time about uh, our favorite 90s female musical artists. Yes. And we did that on the after show. We did a thing in last week's newsletter asking people to send us their picks for some of their favorite artists. Yes. So we're putting together a Spotify playlist with crime writers on uh, picks. So still time to do that. Just sign up for our newsletter. Just add, by the way, just send us an email at crimewriterson at gmail.com. It's gmail.com because we aren't going to pay for an actual... We're cheap. Yeah, okay. We don't want to pay that six bucks a month. But, uh, but please, uh, let us know and we'll, we'll be sharing that Spotify playlist. Your favorite 90s artists. Last thing, tonight is the live recording of the next Deep Dive Book Club podcast. It is? It is. Toby, tell us what the title is and who's coming on. Uh, so we're going to be discussing a book by Andrew Harding called These Are Not Gentle People, Two Murders, 40 Suspects, The Trial That Broke a Small South African Town. It's actually a super interesting book. And 40 suspects? Me, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know if I've realized that there were 40 suspects, but there are were, there were a lot of suspects. Are, um, are any of them families that like will hit travelers over the head? As they're passing through, uh, doesn't quite fit this crime. It seems like it would be in keeping with some of their <laughs> attitudes towards things, uh, but they don't make that specific allegation. Okay. okay. So I will be joined by, for the first time, podcast megastar Maggie Freeling. Ooh, <gasps> she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm super psyched to talk to her. And Chris Joyner who uh, is with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and is the author of a book that just came out called The Three Death Sentences of Clarence Henderson. Hmm. And I know that some of our listeners have already uh, read it and I've heard uh, good things from them on social media about the book. So hopefully you'll check that out. So it'll be the three of us. And Curtis Flowers is like, three death sentences? That guy got it easy. Do you think he knows our other friend at the AJC? Oh yeah, he he actually works right across I from know. Uh, <laughs> from Bill Rankin. Yeah. Yes, our yeah. friend Bill Rankin. Yes, I know. Kevin, the what AJC else we- is the most represented newspaper in the entire country on the deep dive. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good good percentage. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And thus ends the business section. Kevin, should I go ahead and fade that music out now. Get, get rid of that music. All right, so Toby, I want to talk about sourcing in this podcast because we do have cops. We do have some historical context. We do have some experts, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But one of the primary sources for this podcast are other podcasters talking about a story that they have covered on their own podcast. How do you feel about that 
sort of just like journalistically. I had many questions about that. What about you? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, I like in Strange Arrivals, I've had other podcasters on to talk about stuff that they've covered on their podcasts. In, In those cases, I know that there were people who did original research and their podcast, I kind of took it being the same as like a, a magazine article or a book or whatever. I mean, I, it, I think it's respecting their, you know, scholarship and storytelling. In this particular case, it did seem, I mean, it's better than just taking their stuff and just using it without any kind of attribution. <laughs> that uh, has happened. <laughs> yes, it has happened. It just seemed, it, it was a little bit weird. And I kind of felt like I was trying to figure out how that conversation went which is like, will you comment on a podcast that you've already done for a podcast that I'm going to do about that same topic? And they were like, uh, yeah, sure. It seemed kind of strange because they weren't really being brought in for any specific reason other than to, I, I don't really know why they were in. I, I guess it was just to cut down on his narration of which there is not a whole hell of a lot, to be quite honest. But there were two strange men sitting at one of the tables, drinking coffee and making creepy, lewd comments. Just she was very uncomfortable with this situation. I mean, I don't know anything about that podcast, but they kept saying like these people don't fit like the typical serial killer, like sophisticated and smart. And I was like, I don't think that's really the typical serial killer. And as a matter of fact, that lunatic forensic psychologist who they get to talk, like actually says that, you know, serial killers aren't like they're losers. So I just, it just seemed like a weird, like, it seemed like they were commenting on popular culture mm-hmm. rather than the reality of that kind of criminal. But it came across as being like, it's so weird that these people were serial killers because they weren't smarter, sophisticated, which seemed off. You know, bringing in other podcasters, I think, is fine. Although I feel like they did a disservice to those podcasters by simply saying that they're bona fides or that they're podcasters, right? Because anybody with a library card can start a true crime podcast. Though I, I decided, well, let me just do a quick dive here. Those two podcasters, their day jobs, one's a journalist, one's a lawyer. The podcast Murder Sheet is not a giant podcast. They're young and scrappy and up and coming and good for them. But just by throwing a bunch of people in and sort of not explaining why they'd be good other than they have a podcast, I don't know. I don't know. But it made me wonder, should I not be maybe listening to their podcast? Yeah. Because this is the unifying problem throughout the podcast. What we hear from them and everybody else, big chunks of audio. Yep. No context, no interjection, just big chunks filling up time to get to the end of the episode. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a a couple of reasons why you would do this as another podcaster, right? You might be like, wow, maybe people will listen to my show if I go on this other show and talk about the work we did on our show, right? Yeah. But you also don't hear any of like, you should really go check out their podcast because they do this thing that we're not doing. I mean, they drop the name. That's, you know. Yes. But it just seems like they're experts. And you're right. They don't give them the credit for the expertise they have other than just saying right. their podcast. That- but like Toby sets up before, bringing on other podcasters. I mean, that every podcast has another podcaster on, it seems, as an expert. But it's not just like, I'm going to give you the microphone and you talk for 10 minutes Correct. now. I might be some interaction, or at least I'm going to put your comments into context with the other things that I've gathered and written and... Just like with all the other people, other tape they get, it's just big chunks just dropped in, boom, boom, 
boom. Are we at the one hour mark yet? Okay, we're done. Yeah. So something that Toby mentioned, Laura, is this long discussion. It's basically a whole episode uh, debating whether or not these two guys are serial killers or spree killers. This is given a tremendous amount of importance in this podcast. Do you think this is an important discussion? No. <laughs> Why not? Well, you know, it's it's interesting what Kevin was saying before, like, oh, they they don't fit the profile of serial killers because they're they're not planned ahead of time. They're sort of whatever. They're not scattered. But in this case, I think, you know, this story, because I felt like the narrative was so unfocused as aside from just like retelling the story, that to me, it wasn't really relevant whether they were serial killers or not. And that whole discussion, I also felt like I didn't leave that discussion feeling one way or the other. So I was like, okay, so we heard from this person who said yes and this person who said no. And why did we hear that? I don't know. For me, I just, I think there were other lines of questioning and story that could have been told that might have advanced the story in a different way where we actually left it kind of thinking about it in a way like, oh, that's that's interesting. I wish I'd known about that instead of like, I'm like, oh, serial killers? Yeah. You could debate that, but like overall, what is that outcome? It's a at distinction without a difference, Lara. Right? Yeah, like the, yeah. I'm like, so they still went into donut shops, and I mean, I'll refrain from the obvious jokes that like, where are all the cops in these donut shops? Because everyone's like, cops are always in the donut shops. But to me, that didn't that wasn't like a question that needed to be answered to tell this story. Yeah. So, Toby, you mentioned this, uh, what you described as, quote, lunatic forensic psychologist. What are you talking about? Like, I, that was probably a, a, a poor choice of words, but because. Uh, was it? Walk it back, Paul. Walk it back. <laughs> I don't, as far as I'm concerned. Well, there, there are times when he said stuff that I thought was, was reasonable and insightful. But then there are other times when he just felt, if I'm remembering correctly, he did use the word evil to describe them, which, again, seems like a weird like take from a psychologist i mean that that doesn't seem like psychological insight i think he also described one of them as having shark eyes mm. which again dun, you know dun, so dun. it was again it was again it was kind of talking in these sort of non-clinical terms when when his you know his expertise is in forensic psychology it would i guess he was a, he works at john jay so i i he must know his stuff but I just I was just really surprised by the way he was characterizing things in a way that to me did not seem tied to his expertise, but instead sort of tied to like hyping up the, you know, the dis, I don't know, the luridness, the distastefulness of these people. Was he the guy or was it a different guy? Because frankly, all these experts kind of blended together for me. Yes. Who was describing this clan as like the evil clampets where they're like just like, you know, they can't like when they get money, they just spend it. They're just like trash. They can't even like, you know, that they're not smart. They just, you know, they just rape, kill, get money, spend it. Like they, it's not like they're like you and me. Like right. they would do any. Was that him? I, I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. yeah there's also like normal people, you know, probably can't understand why people would act like this, you know, but you can't because these people aren't normal. It's like, oh, it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So one thing that we need to talk about is the podcast's attempt to insert some historical context into this story <sighs> by comparing <laughs> Toby, by comparing this uh, family of killers with a historical family of killers, the Benders from the plains of Kansas. Yeah. Uh, this family where there was apparently a seductress 
who enjoyed luring men to their inn of iniquity, where horrible things happened. Kate would hang out by the front of the Bender Inn, and young men would travel to the area. And they would stop at the inn overnight. They, of course, wanted to meet the infamous Kate Bender. So, Kevin, what are your thoughts generally on on the dropping in of this history story? If my interest in this podcast is a leaky boat, the Benders is the iceberg that rips off the hull, and we watch it sink over the next hour. It's funny because they're like, hey, we found a family of killers that did exactly the same thing 100 years ago. I'm like, no. This isn't exactly the same thing. (laughs) This isn't people running and robbing in stores and killing and raping people. This is somebody waiting for travelers to come through, knocking them over the head, taking their money. It's still bad, but it's not the same thing. Burying their bodies in a garden. Yeah, look, between like arguing whether or not this is not a serial killer and arguing over whether this is exactly the same crime. I feel like these producers failed their PSATs when the thing was like, judge the things that are alike and put them together. I think they flunked that part. Yeah. Did nothing alike at all. Simile and, yeah, and metaphor. Look, it just it just felt like in their research, they found something that they thought could be families that kill season two. There's not enough. So let's just jam this goop in to the casing <laughs> until there's enough here and it's plump enough to call it a sausage. Hmm. All I can think of is I once saw this paper uh, that was handed in to a friend of mine, and it was an eight-page paper on Alexander Hamilton, and it was seven pages of text, and then for the eighth page, they just printed out a full-page picture of Alexander Hamilton. (laughs) And I kind of felt like that was what this was, is they needed like another 40 minutes of stuff, and they're like- They're not young, scrappy, and hungry. I'm just going to throw something in there. Lara, what did you think about the story of the Bender clan? Well, first of all, I was more interested in learning if that's where that expression, they went on a bender, came from. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would have been some relevant info that I could have used. But, I mean, yeah, they're an interesting family, but it's not really related to this podcast. And it goes to, like, my sort of overarching issue with this podcast is that, like, aside from, like, we're going to tell you this shocking story and tell you about this family, I don't really understand, I guess, what's the point. And so throwing in the benders, I'm like, what's the point? And they do the um, same thing, Laura, where they just take two people, here are our experts, and you talk for 10 minutes yeah. or 15 yeah. minutes, and then we'll come back to our thing that the title of this whole podcast is about. We'll get back to that story later. Only because they didn't have hours of never before heard <laughs> shocking tape of the benders to put in there. Yeah. Here's our television interview with 1800s Mr. and Mrs. Bender. <laughs> I found something very, very troubling about the telling of that story and also very troubling about the telling of the McCrary story is this repeated characterization of these women in these stories as these like willing temptresses. Do you really think yeah. this Bender lady is like, yes, here's what I want to do. I want to lure all these travelers here so that the men in my clan can murder them and whatever. No, like this is a thing. Like I listen to the credits carefully. I listen to them carefully to hear if any women were involved in this production. I didn't hear a single woman's name in any of the producer credits or executive producer credits or whatever. And you can tell because even in the modern day stories at Ginger, the McCrary lady, mm-hmm. there's sort of this like air of complicity wrapped around her. Even mm-hmm. in one of the stories where we hear the never before heard uh, tape, 
Like it's never challenged, even when you hear what's his face talking about one of their victims and how she sort of went along with it because, you know, she kind of wanted to like, clearly this is a woman who's just like playing along so she could maybe fucking get away from these people. But that's not even live. Yeah, that's not even challenged. You don't even hear like the, the narrator saying, well, clearly she was doing like it's not even challenged. Like there's this complete like thread of like temptress women through this whole fucking thing that is so upsetting to me, especially what in- What counts as a temptress in 1870s? Like a woman who brushes her teeth? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But like this, there's, it's never challenged in any way. You thought that was way. funny, Lara. It's yeah. never challenged in any way. This historian tells this story about this woman who all these men wanted to go there and meet this temptress woman. I don't know. Maybe she was like basically being sex trafficked by these like e- like violent oh. men. We don't know. It was a deadly honey trap is what that was. It wasn't the- oh, oh, speaking of honey. Oh. Yes. Do you just get your honey from those little bear things? Because <laughs> I don't think you ought to anymore. <laughs> oh my God, the ads. Uh, the ads. The ads. It's the only oh. time I heard the guy's name. Oh my God, the ads. I'm more interested in how um, Danny's acid trip turned out. Yeah. Ooh. I'm really interested in that too. Well, it said he actually says at the beginning that Danny was, I think he says he was known for acid trips where he would run out in the street. Yeah. I, well, he was had like, a bad that, acid trip is that true? in one episode. Is it, but that's just like his 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 modus operandi is to do a bunch of acid and run around in the streets. I it's mean, all you very know, strange. to each their own. Yeah. Can I just ask this, guys? What about the crimes, crimes themselves? Oh, as far what, as, yeah. what about them? Well, I mean, do we think like this was interesting enough to be the subject of a podcast? Like this? Like the dad yeah. told this way? Well, no, 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 no. That is what I said. I will say, here's what I will say. The only thing that's interesting about this that's going to get you to listen to this podcast is the name, the donut shop, because you're like Mm -hmm. the donut shop murders, somebody killing people in a donut shop. What's going and then you get in there. You're like, yeah, no. Were you Mm -hmm. weirdly hungry for donuts, though, after listening to each episode? I mean, I did eat three cream puffs yesterday. So, I mean, that may have had an influence on me. I'm not sure. But Toby, we say this all the time. One of the reasons why we give podcasts thumbs down is because the source material is not interesting. Right. right. The, the crime doesn't go anywhere or whatever. So just encapsulized the story of a guy and his son-in-law knocking over donut shops, kidnapping the cashiers, raping, killing them, whatever. As far as a true crime topic, I would say, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I would say in and of itself, it's worthy of doing worthy of doing well. So I, I guess my feeling is and that when I saw that the title was, you know, families who kill or whatever, is like, are you actually going to like try and take a look at a family and see like what kind of dysfunction allows like this entire family unit to be involved and to some degree either okay or coerced into going along with or scared into going along with this like rampage that these guys go on? Like that to me, like I don't know if I would like to listen to it, but that seems like there's a possibility that it would be a worthy topic to explore and there's probably some interesting stuff in there the only thing that distinguishes this i think is that these guys are like related through marriage yeah and and that their their family doesn't blow the whistle on them there's no Uh, systemic issue there's no societal issue there's no nothing to learn i mean there probably there there may be but he there's no attempt to find it like i do think like i don't know why a woman making a feminist podcast would want to make this but if the viewpoint was how, you know, why do these women 
go along with this not the not the victims but the women in the family like how's that family unit like set up like what sort of forces like kind of keep them in this in this relationship like that seems to me like it might be kind of interesting but otherwise it's just you know unless you're really looking at the family stuff and you know he really doesn't to me it just seems like it's one sort of pathetic crime after the next where they hardly get any money and then they do you know these awful rapes and murders and it's like at the end it's like what am i supposed to think of this yeah i mean it's pretty clear to me toby the system that keeps the women involved is coercion and abuse it's not complicity i I, I would assume so but you don't but you never hear it yeah gotta get to the end of the podcast when all five of them get arrested do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you truth finder has you covered you can search for people by name address phone number email and more Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, let's do what we do. Should people check out the podcast, Families Who Kill, The Donut Shop Murders? Let's give our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Laura Bricker, what do you think? I'm going with no on this. And I'm sad because when I heard the title of this podcast, I was like, oh, this sounds like it could be really interesting. The Donut Shop Murders. and But I mean, right off the bat, like certain things in this, like the over-the-top fake sound effects, the writing and like just heavily dramatized and just over-the-top descriptions of everything. And the fact that like nothing was edited. So I, I just felt like this lacked a structure in terms of where the story was going. We had a lot of shocking tape, never heard before, but that tape wasn't edited down. So it didn't have as much of an impact as it would have been if there had been a, a closer attention to detail when this was kind of put into the final product. So I don't know. You know what? There is a um, really good article in The New Yorker about this case. And I would say I went and read that today. So if you want to learn about this case, go read The New Yorker article. Uh, skip the podcast. Toby Ball. Um, yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but it, it just this feels to me like it was just made super quickly. It doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of thought put into it. There's just like these long periods of just uninterrupted either witness testimony or um, experts talking or podcasters talking, whatever, just these like big blocks of just, just talking. And there's very little narration to tie it together. There's a lot of fat in these, these long blocks. So it just feels like there wasn't a whole lot of effort put into, to making this like a polished end product. I don't know how interesting the case is. They certainly 
don't try to get beyond the surface level of what's going on. So I I I hate to say it. I thought this was really poor. I, I this is a big thumbs down from me. Kevin Flint. I'm thumbs down. What Toby's trying to say is this was a lazy production. It reminds me much of Felonious, Florida, where again it was just big chunks of audio put on top of each other without any context. This is really like a latch key podcast. There's no one home to nurture this and to bring this up. Wow. <laughs> Uh, the narration. Wow, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, you like that? Not, but that's that's actually like not a great comparison because latchkey kids turn out fine. Look at me. Uh, okay. <laughs> the narration sounds like a weak attempt at Elmore Leonard dialogue. It's trying to put mm-hmm. some muscle into it. Even like when I look at the the cover art, it looks like old time true crime book covers. It looks like Helter Skelter Onion Field. It just looks like. This is the idea of what we have. Sounds like it's a documentary. We couldn't really film, so we're just going to talk to a bunch of people on the phone and jam something together and talk to a big distributor and get a nice check. So it had, like, enough raw material for an Abysidarian podcast, but it's just not put together well. I'm a thumbs down, too. There are other things about this podcast that are also problematic. It's not fact-checked. There are basic inaccuracies and uh, false promises in the introduction and the narration. Uh, This podcast is also gratuitous, exploitative, overly violent, sexist, not illuminating, not elucidating. I am disappointed that it exists. In your opinion. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty. Is it burn? I'm just saying um, it's no different than Sword and Scale, as far as I'm concerned. It is basically a narrative series version of that podcast. And I, I'm i surprised yep. that it made it past the development phase. I mean, it is it could be fine, but in its current phase, it's like a first draft that needs a tremendous amount of work. And I listened to the first five minutes of it. And I was completely grossed out. And that feeling never changed. Big thumbs down for me. Do you think the same people at Wondery who did manslaughter were also responsible for no, this? No, I think Wondery was the distributor for this. Yeah. I do not think Wondery made this. Wondery was a distributor for this. Is that a completely different world at Wondery now, Kevin? Pay attention. Sorry. Big thumbs down for me for families who kill the donut shop murders. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the the week. The Missouri Highway Patrol recently activated its statewide cell phone alert system. It said authorities in Gotham City were looking for a purple and green Dodge GT. Anyone who's watched Saturday morning cartoons or seen a movie knows that Gotham is Batman's hometown and the purple and green getaway car belongs to the Joker. Riddle me this. What happened? Authorities explained that this bat signal was a mistake. They'd been running tests of their blue alert system and the message accidentally went live. If the flub doesn't make you at least grin, then to quote the Joker, why so serious? So panel, what is the next superhero themed alert the police will put out? What do you think, Lara Bricker? Um, well, if it was in my community, we would, I think, because it is January, we're getting ready for the annual Christmas tree bonfire. We would be putting out an alert for the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man so we could make some s'mores. <laughs> Toby Bob, what do you think? 
Uh, I think it's a bolo for a heavy set green guy wearing ripped purple pants. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what is the next superhero themed alert the police is going to put out? Uh, they're looking for a purple monkey named Gleek. <laughs> and their owners looking for them are a pair of uh, Wonder Twins named Jan and Zena. Yes. One is in the shape of a walrus. The other is in the form of an ice sculpture. That's right. All right, we should probably end it on that note. But before we do, Lara Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you on the Twitters, how can they find you there? They can find me at Lara Bricker. And Tommy Ball, if folks want to see your updated photos of your adorable puppy nephew, Clancy, how can they find you on Twitter? At Toby Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, if folks want to reach out to you and just say, hey, Kevin, your wife was totally right about that podcast review. How can they find you on Twitter? Oh, you can tell me that anytime at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get the Crime Writers On after show, Married with Podcast, Lara Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the host of extremely difficult party games, Olivia Burdett. Yeah, fuck Olivia. <laughs> the executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where I enjoy my jelly-filled donuts and Kevin eats his chocolate crullers. Mm. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. Jelly filled. Fuck that. Yeah, I'm a- all about the Boston cream. You should know better, well, Kevin. Do you want to recut the thing? No, it's fine. Right. That's fine. America can know that in the outtake. is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.